This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. It's your host, Rocky Rockliffe. Chuck is not going to be with us today, folks. So uh, all those of you out there hoping to hear his voice, you're not going to. You're going to have to wait till next week. He is actually down at the uh, a state courthouse in Fulton County, not even at the immigration court. He's uh, in real court, as we like to call it, uh, in our line of work. Anytime we get to go to court with real rules and uh, real restrictions on the type of evidence you can bring in and uh, you know, real deadlines and everything like that. We're always excited. He's down there today with a kind of a collaterally related uh, immigration case. Uh, we have a uh, lawsuit pending against the uh, Georgia Board of Regents uh, for the beneficiaries of deferred action who are high school graduates of Georgia high schools. Uh, the Board of Regents has decided that well, their their policy is that they're not going to grant these kids in-state tuition. So. Uh, we had to bring a lawsuit, and Chuck is the uh, primary attorney on that. He's down there doing oral arguments uh, today, uh, and it, it's just—it's crazy what the Board of Regents is doing. Their, their policy on this, uh, by way of a uh, brief background on the uh, pr- kind of the procedural history of the case, so everybody knows uh, exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, First off, if you've listened to the show in any uh, in the past, you know uh, you've probably heard us talk about DACA or Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. This is basically a program instituted by the Department of Homeland Security uh, in 2012 as an offshoot, if you will, of the failed DREAM Act. Uh, a lot of these kids are called dreamers. I don't necessarily really like that term. I mean, it's, uh, I'm not really into the whole touchy-feely monikers for uh, things like this. They're, they're just beneficiaries of deferred action for childhood arrivals. Basically, if, uh, if they uh, came into the U.S. Uh, before they were 16, it's pretty presumptive that they were brought here by their parents, uh, especially when the other requirements are fulfilled. They have to have, uh, like I said, come here before they were 16. And document such. They have to have arrived before June 15, 2007. So it's not, you know, willy-nilly just come in at 16. You're good to go. You have to have come in before uh, June 15, 2007. You have to have been present in the U.S. Uh, on June 15, 2012 when the program was announced. You have to have been under the age of 31, which is a ridiculous requirement, actually, because if you comply with all the other requirements, just because you've, uh, you're older now doesn't mean you're in a better position to be able to go back to your uh, country of origin. And in fact, that speaks to uh, you're probably less likely if you spent more time here as one of these uh, DACA benef- as a prospective DACA beneficiary to be less likely to go back to, able to go back to your country. Uh, and the other requirement is you have to uh, be enrolled in school, uh, whether that be high school or college. Uh, or it's really just talking about high school because once you have a high school diploma, then you're uh, you know, presumptively eligible for treatment uh, for benefits under this program uh, in perpetuity. So be in, be in high school, have a GED, or uh, graduated from high school. They're real, ba- real basic requirements. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people that qualify for this program. Actually, more than than I thought probably would. I mean, there's a sizable portion of uh, of the uh, undocumented population that, uh, that that qualifies for this here in Georgia. I think Chuck has put the. I mean, it's thousands of people. Chuck has uh, mentioned the number on the show and. I'm going to get it completely wrong, whether it's you know 23,000 or 25,000, something like that. I, I have no idea, but it, there's a substantial number of uh, number of kids that uh, that that qualify under this, and and the biggest benefit for them is that uh, essentially allows them to be lawfully present uh, here in the United States. And the term lawfully present is uh, is we're going to get into that in a little bit because it's a, pretty much what they're fighting over in this this whole lawsuit, but. 
these kids are, you know, they're they're kids who came here at a, at a relatively young age. Like I said, you have to have been uh, come to the U.S. before you were 16. You're more than likely brought by your parents. Uh, a lot of these kids came here one, two, three, you know, four, five years old. Very very young kids. Um, brought here by their parents. They've gone to school here. Uh, they're Georgians and, uh, <clears throat> you know, United Statesans, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know. Just as much as people who who were born here, you know. I mean, somebody who came here at six months old because their parents brought them here. Uh, you know, I, I understand. I'm going to get the people out there. Oh, they broke the law. You know, got to pay the consequence. Got to pay the price. Well, guess what? When you when you're brought somewhere by your parents at one uh, in violation of law, you really you're really not. You know, I, I would uh, to throw out a you know legal term for all the the attorneys listening. You know, there's really no mens rea. There's really no guilty. Uh, there's no moral culpability associated with that for a one-year-old. I think that most people, regardless of uh, you know what they feel about this issue, even the people who are hardcore uh, anti-immigration, would would probably admit uh, if they were intellectually honest that a one you know a one-year-old really can't be morally culpable for the uh, the actions of the parent. Now we're probably going to disagree on how we want those consequences to fall, and I obviously don't think that they should fall on the uh, the one-year-old kid. So hence we have these uh, you know we, we we have these kids who've applied for this benefit who are who are Georgians in every way, uh, just like somebody who was born here, but they are uh, denied. Uh, admission to the top five public universities in the state of Georgia. So uh, you could graduate top of your class. One of the you know one of these high schools here in the North Metro Atlanta that's basically a feeder system for the University of Georgia. It didn't used to be like that, especially when I went. Uh, you graduate from one of these high schools as your valedictorian. If you are not a U.S. citizen or have lawful uh, lawful status, as the Board of Regents puts it. And the way they the way they def, the Board of Regents defines it is these uh, kids who are beneficiaries of Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or DACA, they're not eligible or they're not in a status which permits them to attend one of the top five Georgia universities. That's absurd. Public policy uh, wise, it's absurd. Uh, it, you know, as a matter, you know, and it's not equitable at all. I mean, to tell a kid, you're, hey, you are the top of your class. Uh, Qualify in every way. We'd accept you. We'd give you a scholarship, everything. But pesky little thing, not a citizen, don't have, quote, lawful status. Even though you have deferred action, you don't have lawful status for us to admit you here. Now, I know I'm talking about the outliers in this case. I mean, not every kid that is the valedictorian. You know, most of them are just marginal high school students, just like, you know, the the vast majority of high school students, they're, they're, you know, they're just marginal. Um, but it goes on to further deny them in-state tuition. So not only are they saying, hey, you can't go to the top – any of the top five public universities in the state. We're, we're going to deny you admission there. We're not even going to let you go as a Georgia resident for tuition purposes to any of the colleges in Georgia. Now, that's, that's even dumber, OK? I mean that – there's no – I mean that's – Borderline hateful. <laughs> it's really what it is. I mean, it's pandering to uh, pandering to the base, uh, you know, in the most despicable of uh, of manner. Uh, saying we're not going to let you uh, pay in-state tuition like every other kid who graduated from a Georgia high school and has lived here, you know, virtually their entire life. We're going to make you pay, you know, two three times what what they're paying. Hey, good way to incentivize, uh, you know, kids to uh, not go to college. Side note to that. College is probably one of the worst investments you can actually make in terms of uh, the cost benefit. Most kids go to college now four or five years, rack up tons of debt. Uh, they really don't get educated. I mean, you're not learning really squat in college except how to uh, really waste time. 
Uh, it's, it's pretty much what it is. So, you know, this, this may be actually a boon for these, you know, for these kids is it makes it, makes, uh, it, the, the cost of college, uh, rise and makes, uh, it more difficult to go to college. Maybe actually a good thing for them because they may actually go out into the workforce and, uh, get relevant, uh, job experience and, you know, maybe start a business or something, uh, unlike their, their, uh, colleagues, uh, who are able to go to these top five universities and pay in state tuition. So it may actually be a benefit to these kids. But if you want to hear more about that, you can listen to my other, uh, the other show I do on this, uh, this station here on America's Web Radio, Undisputed, which is from, uh, nine to 10 on Thursdays. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that because I'm, I'm big on, uh, you know, exposing, uh, higher education for the fraud it is. Anyways, I digress. Back to the, uh, back to the lawsuit. So the Board of Regents has said, you know, basically said you can't go to these top five, uh, um, Schools in the state, and we're not going to give you in-state tuition. And they they have this perverse way of the way the way their rules read. Um, anyone who is legally in the state may ha- may be granted in-state tuition, and that the 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 institution it's incumbent upon the institution to review whether or not somebody is legally in the state. So. We get to what does legally in the state mean? I know all the non-lawyers out there thinking, man, these people just fight over words. That's pretty much what we do, folks. Fight over words. Uh, most of it's just, you know, pure hot air. But in this case, you know, we're actually fighting over, uh, you know, the definition of legally in the state has a, has another term of art. It's not self-evident what it means, uh, of legal, of lawful presence. So legally in the state, according to the Board of Regents, uh, it basically means you have Lawful presence, you have a lawful status as outlined under the federal immigration laws, uh, pretty much meaning you're either, you know, a citizen or a permanent resident. And, or your presence, or you have lawful presence here in the United States. What does lawful presence mean? That's what the, that's what this whole lawsuit is about. And basically, even though the Department of Homeland Security has said, uh, in you know via numerous outlets uh you know most importantly it's number one frequently asked question uh, regarding regarding deferred action for childhood arrivals is you know whether it's lawful presence yes it's lawful presence they've said it. it's not lawful status it's lawful presence people stop accruing unlawful presence uh once they enter into uh once they become a DACA beneficiary hence unless you absent some other constraint if your presence is not unlawful it is lawful so these kids have lawful presence they're they're eligible under the federal immigration laws to be they're considered here to be lawfully present here just like a just like a refugee uh, asylee all these other um, lawfully present people who don't necessarily have lawful status under the immigration nationality act those people are allowed uh, to be granted in state tuition so why is the board of regents doing this well two reasons and these are opinion, obviously. <laughs> First is they uh, they probably realize how ridiculous they sound, but they don't want to be the institution that incurs the wrath of all these anti-immigrant types of oh we're just giving you know giving it away. Well, first off, in-state tuition is not giving it away, folks. And uh, you know it's probably just a little bit of pride too. This is probably, probably the second thing they've basically crafted this. Uh, I read their uh, their their brief. Uh, their actually their motion, the brief in support of their motion to dismiss yesterday. Actually, and it's just, I mean, they are twisting and turning, and basically their argument boils down to, hey, uh, we don't think that people should be able to bring a dispute as to what a law means to the court. Er, what? Uh, you know, uh, Chuck and I were talking last night. A uh, little case, Marbury versus Madison, folks. Establish the concept of judicial review. You can sue. You can bring an action in court 
to determine what if there's ambiguity as to what the law what a what the law means or what the law says, then the the appropriate body to determine the legality, if you will, under the governing laws, whether the constitution of the state or the constitution of of our country, the the, the proper venue to to decide what that is is the is the Judicial branch of government, and that's that's you know how you feel about that. You you know you may not like that, but that's the way it is. So for the board of regents, through you know the attorney general's office, uh, and you know all the attorneys on the government side that are litigating this, for them to put out there, hey, we don't think that you can uh, sue us to make us say what our rule means. I mean that's just absurd. That'd be like uh, Congress. That'd be. Some uh, executive agency in enforcing or implementing some po- some something passed by uh, the legislative branch. The legislative branch can say what they want uh, it to do, and the but the executive branch agency that's in charge of Im- implementing that has a lot of discretion in in, in pretty much every agency, whether it's state, federal, or whatever it is. They have a lot of discretion in how they implement that. So if you have a question or a dispute as to how or why something is being implemented and it goes back to the 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 language in the authorizing statute the proper venue to 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 figure out what that is is the courts and that's what the board of regents here is saying that you can't do that well actually yes we can and number one yes we can and two you're wrong daca beneficiaries are lawfully present in the state DHS has said it time and again, and they should be granted in-state tuition. There's just no public policy reason to uh, to deny these kids in-state tuition. Uh, so that's uh, that, that's all I got to say about the DACA lawsuit. I think we're a good place here for uh, for a break, and we'll come back and talk about a uh, little immigration reform update. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to uh, the Immigration Hour here on uh, America's Web Radio. David, I get confused coming back from these breaks. What what show we're doing here? Whether we're doing Immigration Hour, whether we're doing Undisputed, it's just going to dribble (laughs) the gardening out, the gardening minute on the Immigration Hour. Yeah. Uh, the garden is planted. Planted. What do you, what do you have? Planted. Uh, we've got everything from romaine lettuce oh, to nice. uh, uh, 
potatoes. Grow lettuce right now? Uh, yeah, yeah. You can grow it in the summertime, sure. I it's mean, not too hot. Sweet, sweet taters. Sweet lots taters. Of, lots of tomatoes, oh, corn. Nice. Lots of okra. Love you like okra? okra? Oh, love, love okra. It. I've told my okra story on the show before. Haven't and uh, I? <laughs> I don't. And uh, we've got uh, cucumbers. Yeah. And uh, all the good stuff. Onion. Oh, that's awesome. Green onions and yeah. radishes. We're not. We're not as perfectionist as. Oh, I, I got. <laughs> you're not rocking. I don't know, the, you're I not rocking the, green, yeah. the self-built greenhouse you know, out I, back like Chuck is. I think I Chuck's told you that, that I, I bought a blowtorch to. Take care of the weeds. That's what I used to use on the farm, you know. Burn them up. Oh, yeah. You Burn them up. <laughs> I love the sound of the sucker. Oh, yeah. Who, who, Dave, so, who doesn't like fire? I don't. Everybody so anyway, loves fire. So anyway, I'm out there. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a sound, you know. It, it sounds like my balloon's about to lift off, you know. <laughs> so I'm doing this, and my son comes up, and he says, Dad, look what's happening. And... I have deer netting all around my uh, garden. Oh, around the garden. Yeah. Oh, did it light e- it up? Except I've got three feet up. I've got metal mesh to keep uh-huh. the small little critters out. Right. And, the, and then I've got the... The deer the, netting up top. Yeah. Uh, so now, well, I don't now because I fixed it. But I had <laughs> big holes after I had, not from hitting it, but what had happened, I'd burn some of the leaves and they'd just go up. And a little I, ash oh, and then it go yeah, land on oh, the net and then it just melts out oh, yeah. it. Oh, oh yeah. Big hole. So I... I uh, I'm still going to use my blowtorch. I love it. Oh, you're not going to get mean, rid of the blowtorch. You just go get a new deer net and then just be yeah, more careful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll just stay away from the fencing. You know? yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I didn't ever hit it. It was just stuff that yeah, was Yeah, it's just the out. ash floating up. It just but, takes one little uh, one little ash. Put but those weeds, yeah. I, you know, they were shaking in the wind as oh. I would come towards them. Quaking in my, their boots oh, with a blowtorch, man. man. That's awesome. You know? I think we should do it to some criminals. No, I can't. <laughs> That's a date. Come on, David. You do- we're, we're just live. Yeah, I got to ask about you, as, as, a, as an attorney, <laughs> did you hear about this in, uh, I believe it was in Oklahoma, I think. I, I don't no. want to swear to it. Okay, they, they have, and I guess most states have turned to this as lethal injections, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, with the guy, he was, uh, the, it was, uh, the injection went wrong or something like that. Yeah, and he and, lived like 40 minutes or yeah. something. But, you know, now some some tree huggers will get all upset, but do you know the story of what he had done? Well, I mean, and why he was? No, I don't. But to me, that's to me. It's am I going to sympathize with the guy? Probably not. But as a as a staunch defender of of the system, I'm going to have to say I don't think that should really come into play. But I do want to know what he did. What did he do? Oh, he brutally, crazy. oh yeah, he brutally tortured and raped a sixteen-year-old, or no, eighteen-year-old. She was about yeah. to graduate from uh, from 16, high school, 18. and uh, and and he buried her alive. And as she was crying and screaming for yeah. help, he shot her in the head, but didn't kill her. Mm-hmm. And then then he and his buddy buried her alive, even though she'd been wounded. And this guy, yeah, was garbage. You know, <laughs> if there was some kind of questionable sort of thing, yeah. maybe I could. But, you know, if, if you've been convicted, you've gone through all the appellate courts yeah. and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Even if he had lived two hours, I, I couldn't say that that was cruel and unjust punishment well i mean i I, I can't get into that no no no. i I, and i understand what you're saying i mean do i in any way sympathize with 
him and his plight personally? Absolutely not. I really couldn't care less. I'm always more concerned about the slippery slope that we get on in terms of what we what we justify. There's rules and procedures in place, um, and I'm sure that the authorities in Oklahoma realize, hey, yeah, I've made a mistake on this. Let's fix it. I'm, I'm sure they're not trying to do that every time. Uh, but, yeah, I have no personal sympathy for the guy. I'm j- I just care about the – the implementation and the enforcement of rules that we've promulgated. Nobody there was trying to do something crazy. It was a snafu. And hey, guy got what he deserved. Couldn't really care less. Okay, but I do. I, I am, you know, kind of a defender of the. Of the not. The, I don't want to say the system because I hate the system. But you know, there, there's rules in place for a reason for you know for other situations. And, well, yeah. and that's the fault. But how do you mess up a lethal injection? I mean, it's basically a paralytic well, and then a the- massive dose of barbiturates. Well, how do you mess that up? <laughs> well, you know, and two, they always clean the area before they inject the needle. Yeah, they they swab it with alcohol before they. <sighs> it's insane. Well, do you, I, do you know? Do you know how this? This is kind of, we're going to get into morbid territory here, but you know how those things work. They're really. I mean, if I would not choose to go that way because death by lethal injection is the first thing they do is they give you a, a massive dose of a paralytic with like vecuronium, succinylcholine, whatever it is. Basically, it's a paralytic that stops all your movement. Uh, your 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 uh, your uh, autonomic nervous system, and then they give you the massive. So you know that you're you're dying. I mean, like you're you're just not moving. There's no consciousness, or there's you're, you're conscious. You're just not moving. So I, I don't think it's particularly the way I would choose to go. And I couldn't imagine. I mean, not that I feel sorry for the guy, but yeah, I mean that's a whew, got well, to be deserved on that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm sure you know he, he was probably very close to death, and if. In fact, wound up uh, yeah. having a heart attack. I think. Uh, right. Well, that's that's actually how you die. Yeah. It's just a massive, just massive uh, dose of barbiturates. It just uh, you know shuts down your heart. So, but yeah, uh, no, we don't need to be burned. So anyway, my Anyways, my yeah. uh, garden is coming along. Uh, <laughs> Only on this show can we go from gardening to talking about lethal injection. But your well, gardening's, garden's I mean, coming along. That's the only yeah, thing that yeah, really matters. It's, it's coming along, and uh, volunteers are welcome. Volunteers are welcome. Oh, man. I, when I get into my new when I get into a house because I'm still in the process when I get into a house I'm gonna I'm gonna plant a garden uh, next year once I get everything down because I, I had one a couple of years ago and it was awesome. You know, well some, last year it's just was a washout new and, and you get food from it. Oh yeah, and it was it's uh, it's um, relaxing to to many of us and yep. uh, uh, you know and and I am I am a tomato lover. I don't think I, you're a tomato lover like Chuck is. Uh, I tell you. And, and they are so – we bought some. We've been buying some from uh, a big box that uh, – so, and they do. They they taste better than the things that you pick up at your local grocery store. Oh, yeah. That have no taste. They no, don't no, even no. – yeah, they, they, they're just red. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just red. And probably dyed. <laughs> red is that like color. 80% water. They're like yeah. lettuce tomatoes. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, you just can't beat a fresh tomato. Nope. I'll go out there. Can't do it. Wash that sucker. I won't eat. I won't eat them without washing them. But I'll wash that sucker off and yeah. and eat it. Nice warm. deep red. Yeah, I I love them warm, call and unfortunately, I really love them with biscuits and gravy and bacon. But uh, the boy has been. Uh, what is not good with biscuits, gravy, and bacon, David? Come on now. I mean, <laughs> biscuits, gravy, and bacon. What is good to go? My uh, my. Uh, Clogged arteries. That's what's not good with them. <laughs> okay, health considerations aside, there's really not too many foods you're going to be able to put with biscuits, gravy, and bacon that uh, that I'm going to say no to. <laughs> 
Oh man, that's a, that's my last meal. I think the last. I, oh, I, dear, I, I love. Gar, I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna have a bacon platter with a garnish of bacon and a side of bacon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't you know if you've seen that. If you happen to see that, this is the last comment I'll make. But they, they were, I was flipping channels the other day because I had to, I had to be at home waiting on on a situation, and so. You know, nothing else to do, and I'm going. I hit on the Food Channel, or some. I guess it's a Food Channel. Did you get sucked in? The whole thing was on bacon. Man, ah, oh. you can't you can't go wrong. With I that. was I wanted to climb in the television. You know? You're, just, you're just, just like I got to go to the store right. This now. ain't fair. <laughs> no, it was torture, and the things they were doing with the bacon. Chocolate, oh, was it the I, you know, I think, bacon? Was it the where they were visiting restaurants? Yeah, where they, yeah, where they had like this this uh, bacon wrap. Bacon wings or yeah. something like I mean, that. It they was, had, I saw that too on Sunday. That chocolate was awesome. bacon. They had uh, the bacon burger with bacon yeah. on top of bacon and and uh, oh, oh, it was good stuff. It was it was tar- now that's inhumane and that was that was that was torture. That was real torture. That was torture. All right. Well, for everybody that uh, that doesn't like to hear our gardening minute. Torture over for you because that's what we like on the. That's what we want to do. That's what we like on the show. We just talk talk about gardening. Moved over to Lethal Judge. Came back talking about right. bacon. How many immigrants, <laughs> be they undocumented or documented, don't eat? Don't eat. So there's <laughs> there's a segue. <laughs> exactly. We're all human. Exactly. We're all human. Everybody likes bacon. If you don't like bacon, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, there's something. You know, you know who probably doesn't like bacon because he is he's these Congress. Congressman, congresswoman, whatever—they—they they are kind of alien life forms to me. Uh, so they may not like bacon. Actually, we're going to talk about Congressman Bob Goodlatte's interview with Univision uh, on Sunday. This—I I wrote a couple of comments down here in my uh, the show notes. Contrary to people think, we we do actually prepare a show here. We just get off on side tangents. <laughs> uh, my show notes here. I, after reading this interview, I mean, it just it just reinforces my my belief. Politicians are just dirtbags, and these cats in the media. I mean, I don't know if you know what Univision is, but I mean, it's 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 a huge. It's like it's like Hispanic Fox or ABC. I mean, it's just a really big news outlet, and just this whole it, this whole interview process between Jorge Ramos and and Bob Goodlatte just underscores how big a dirtbags politicians are, and then you have either lapdogs in the media or just media that are just. Firing off questions that really don't mean anything. They're just trying to uh, to incite people. I mean, they're not. There's no substantive uh, questioning or debate here. But, anyways, this interview was, uh, like I said, between Jorge Ramos from Univision and uh, Bob Goodlatte on Sunday, the third of May. And I just want to go through a couple of comments here uh, from from Bob Goodlatte. He's being basically questioned by uh, Jorge Ramos about. Why the Republicans aren't acting on immigration for failure to act? Failure. You guys are failing to bring it to a vote, and you get this 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 tired comment. Um, I mean, it's it's just tired. Stop using this nonsense, Bob Goodlatte. Because this whole issue of the president, I want to. He's I think he's from like Virginia. I've never heard the guy actually speak. I've just read his words. I, I want to think he has a southern accent, but I, I, you know, whatever. Because this whole issue of the president. With his pen and his cell phone applies to this issue as well. And we are trying to get people to pass difficult legislation and make tough decisions. Yeah, you guys make tough decisions. 
when they don't trust that the president will even enforce the laws after they're passed. It makes it a lot harder to get people to come to the table to agree on the necessary legislation to address these problems. First off, you guys aren't making any tough decisions, okay? Yeah, well, let me rephrase that. What he's implying here is that they're making tough moral decisions. You guys aren't making any decisions regarding morality. You're making decisions based on two things, how you can get elected, how your party can stay in power. That's it. Okay, because if uh, if you really did care about the president, you know, just ignoring the law and you know doing things that were uh, in clear violation of the Constitution or extra constitutional, whatever whatever you want to call it, hey dude, where were you on the uh, whole government spying on us thing? NSA wiretapping, uh, you know, all stuff that Snowden brought out. Where, where were you on that, Chief? Because uh, last time I checked, you probably voted in favor of the uh, budget that authorizes the National Security Agency. Okay, so. To, to you know, take this moral high ground that we well, we can't work with the president because he's uh, he's ignoring the law, he's failing to enforce the law. Well, buddy, you you and your cronies there are doing the same thing. I mean, you're still funding parts of the government that are implemented by the president. They're clearly extra constitutional. So to stop with this tired argument that the reason you guys can't get anything done on immigration reform is because the president is not enforcing the law. Now, for everybody out there, you know. Oh, well, he's clearly an Obama supporter. No, <laughs> you clearly don't know me, okay, because uh, not an Obama supporter. Uh, but the guy the guy is doing all kind of crazy stuff. But to say that uh, the reason we're not going to pass immigration reform is because the president's failing to enforce the law. We can't trust that he won't use his pen and his cell phone to just willy-nilly, you know, grant status or, or uh, you know, just completely ignore the, uh, ignore the law that we passed. So that means we can't pass a law. Dude, stop it. That argument is tired. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. You guys are just grandstanding with your tough decisions nonsense and can't get people to the table because the president's just flouting the law. No, you guys are just lazy. Uh, and, and this underscores the whole point. The reason this issue is so contentious is because what immigration reform is all about, okay, and, and it, or that, that this issue is, it, it's about the most Precious political commodity of all, voters. Okay, uh, you know I, I, I watch a lot. Of, nah, I don't want to say I watch a lot. I watch a fair amount of trashy TV. Okay, I, I started watching a show uh, called Scandal. Thanks to Netflix, you can just binge watch these things at night, and uh, you know cut into your sleep time. But I, I was watching this show Scandal, and there was a lot. It was you know political, you know drama, whatever on TV. And you know, I think it was the chief of staff of the the president or something was saying, "Well, we got to do something on immigration reform." You know, because we we do that, we'll be golden. We'll have that's two generation of voters in our back pocket. Pretty much, that's what it is, folks. I mean, these these people are fighting. I mean, what they're fighting over is who is eventually going to get the credit and who's eventually going to get the voters. And that's why I don't understand the, why the Republicans aren't doing anything aside from their grandstanding and all this other nonsense. Dude, you could seize. I mean. This is a political win for you. You get all these votes, so that that's kind of you know something. I, I guess there you know there's backroom deals that I I, I don't understand or or or, uh, or know about. But I mean that's what this whole thing has to do. It has to do with you know like I said the most precious uh, political commodity of all, and that's and that's uh, and that's voters. And that's you know his comments here that I'm gonna that I'm gonna go into a little bit more. I mean that just that that's what this is all about. You know they they put this all this other spin on it and everything. And but at the end of the day, it's uh, they're just, they're just fighting over uh, over future voters. And just you know, coming up with grandstanding about it. 
Uh, the the next thing uh, that Bob Goodluck goes in to talk about after being prodded by Jorge Ramos about the number of people that uh, uh, you know Obama's deported, you know, and, and he he was responding to Goodluck's contention that well, his president's just ignoring the law. First off, not ignoring the law, uh, deported more than two million people. So now, obviously, the the Republican uh, you know pushback to that is, oh well, those numbers are cooked. They're uh, counting things that are counting things as deportations now that uh, weren't previously counted. So over the 369,000 people that were deported last year, uh, Goodlatte contends that, well, two-thirds of them were at the border. And previously, those uh, those numbers weren't counted as deportations in, in annual statistics, and, and now they are. So he's he's clearly not enforcing the law. He's basically just cooking the numbers. Well, guess what? You guys all cook numbers. Uh, the reality of the situation is even if you get rid of those two-thirds of people, say, let's just make it you know, th- 370,000 people, two-thirds of that, uh, I mean, uh, say – Thirty thousand on each hundred. So you, maybe say a hundred thousand of those people were deported from the interior. Still a hundred thousand people being deported from the interior. Seven year. I mean, almost a, just almost a million people being uh, being deported uh, under the metric you want to use, Mister Goodlatte. So to say that he's not enforcing the law is dumb. It's uh, intellectually dishonest. And to come back with this always oh, this argument that he's cooking the books, dude, stop it. Okay, reality of the situation. People still getting deported who we shouldn't deport. Okay, so he is enforcing the law. Now, if you want to get if you want to get down to it, where you know Republicans say he's uh, you know he's used his pen and his cell phone to do all these other crazy things. Guess what? Uh, you guys gave him uh, whether it was your Congress, Mister Goodlatte, or you know a Congress twenty years ago gave him the discretion to do what he's doing uh, with respect to deferred action for childhood arrivals. That discretion exists under the current statutory scheme. If you don't like the fact that he's exercising that discretion in a way that you don't agree with politically, okay, then you need to change the law, Mr. Goodlatte, not criticize him for exercising the discretion that the law affords him, okay? Again, not a defense of the president in terms of uh, you know his overall strategy of using uh, uh, executive authority just to uh, – implement what he wants to. But in this case, he clearly has the authority. And if you don't like it, Republicans in Congress, Mr. Goodlatte, then change the law, okay? It's it's not an issue of him not following the law. He has wide discretion to do what he wants in that statutory scheme, and you just don't like what he's how he's exercising the discretion. You or your party would exercise it differently. So change the law. Stop putting it out on uh, you know on the executive branch that they're ignoring it because that 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 argument's done. Okay, uh, you know he he goes on to this this next comment that he makes uh, in response to uh, he has this little this little. Ted, Ted, I guess with uh, Jorge Ramos, where they're talking, he's Jorge Ramos basically tried to goad him into saying he wants more people deported from the interior. Which, come on, man, you're not going to get him on that. He's he's, he's a politician. Uh, Goodlatte goes on to say, my point is that I want the president to enforce the law. He is, and that way Congress will feel the pressure to reach a resolution to deal with the people who are lawfully here, who have been law-abiding citizens. Okay, Mr. Goodlatte. You were uh, you were an immigration lawyer before you went to Congress, okay? I know it was pre IRA days and all that, so you're probably not up on the law now. But uh, law-abiding citizens, uh, people who were lawfully here, who well, first off, if they if they're law-abiding citizens, you know, they're citizens. Uh, immigration Nationality Act has no you know no control over them. Uh, it, they're they're citizens, so words have meaning. Don't say stuff like that. 
that's just dumb, okay? Uh, who are lawfully here? Lawfully here? If they're here lawfully, what do they need immigration reform for? They're here lawfully as permanent residents, whether that's through family or through employment. Uh, they're not really the ones that that you're talking that you're talking about. So you know his comment there. He goes on with the and if they meet the terms that the law might provide, like paying taxes, paying a fine, learning civics about the United States, and and other things like that, we could reach a solution. What? I thought you just said they were law-abiding citizens. Now you're saying that. They're, uh, they they need to meet other terms like paying taxes and paying a fine. Guess what? I, th- I think you have to pay taxes uh, regardless uh, of – pay taxes on income earned uh, in the United States regardless of your uh, your federal immigration status. Uh, the IRS, well, <laughs> I have many clients who pay taxes. Well, pay is loosely, uh, loosely used term uh, who file tax returns using uh, individual tax ID numbers. It's basically a – Social Security number for people who are uh, who can't get a Social Security number issued to them for them to be able to uh, file a tax return. In many cases, they get a refund. But uh, so, what are you talking about? There's already an obligation for them to do that. Uh, he, he goes on, but if the president keeps showing that he won't enforce current law, then we're going to have this ongoing problem where people in the Congress don't trust that. What? No, he is enforcing the law. Stop using that argument, guy. Uh, next, next comment here. Uh, he, oh, this this is a great one. I don't want to do anything – again, this is Mr. Goodlatte. I don't want to do anything that doesn't have the strong support of the American people. All right, guy. When have you guys ever cared about what the American people want or don't want? Like I said, your political calculus is based on two things, what keeps you in power and what keeps your party in power. So to say that you really care about what – you want to do what the American people want – Nonsense, buddy. Nonsense. And 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 if and if you do, guess what? The overwhelming majority uh, either wants some sort of reform or is fine with the, the the way it is. So where are you getting this? We want to do something that, that people already want it. Get on it, chief. Stop uh, stop putting it down the road there on somebody else. But hey, it's a politician. You know you got to uh, you got to give these guys a. Uh, Kind of a wide berth when it comes to uh, comes to all the rhetoric. Rhetoric. They're not into uh, solutions for uh, for for really anything. Now the the last uh, in, in that same vein, he, he goes on that builds mistrust, and his solutions, referring to the president, will not be long lasting. They will not solve the problem for people who are not lawfully here. Well, uh, you guys haven't really done anything in a while either, Congress. Uh, last time I. In '86, you guys had had a big deal. '96 had a big deal. Haven't really done anything since since '96. Uh, so, well, can't I take that back? You guys did make it a lot uh, more stringent uh, with your Immigration Nationality Act additions to under the Patriot Act. But different subject, different day. So, you guys have done something. It's been bad. But where are you guys on this? What, what are you talking about? Long lasting solutions? So where have you guys been? trying to solve this problem. The president's obviously using his discretion that you guys have afforded him to solve the problem. So why is that – how is that creating a atmosphere of mistrust with Congress? Just dumb, all right? Stop talking out of both sides of your mouth, Mr. Goodlatte. Then uh, the, again, he, he's got the <laughs> – one more time I won't talk about his, this tired argument. He, keeps making his, he goes on uh, – Jorge Ramos is, is prodding him to ba- basically saying that his party is the one that's blocking it. Good luck, goes on. Because I trust that if I agree to a new provision of the law that under those circumstances, then we can count on this president and future presidents actually enforcing the law. That's the problem we have. No, 
That's not the problem you have. He's enforcing the law. You just don't like the way he's doing it. You don't like the way he's exercising his discretion. So take his discretion away, Mr. Goodlatte. We can have a debate about that. But as to what the law is and what it affords uh, the president, the executive branch, uh, the, the, the discretion to do, clearly within the bounds of that discretion. So change the law, Mr. Goodlatte. Stop uh, trying to uh, pull the wool over everybody's eyes that, uh, that that discretion doesn't exist under the law. Um, he, he okay, goes, let me go ask ahead. you something. Do you think uh, your gentlemen here or any of our congressmen <laughs> are the brightest bulbs in the box? Uh, no. I think some of them are really, really bright, but they're just using their their intellectual horsepower to further their so uh, their sociopathic goals because some of them are some of them are just are I think all politicians are sociopaths personally and some of them are really bright and and excel that way and others are just brutes and they just are really good at twisting people's arms in backroom deals and and using their leverage over people to to secure their 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 political advancement and others use their uh, their uh, you know their intellectual horsepower to to secure advancement but you, they're uh, all sociopaths. Do you think they, as a whole today, do you think they work for we the people? <laughs> and that, uh, you just mentioned that. I believe, yeah. Sort of. yeah, yeah, no, I, I did. I do not think they work for the people. Uh, then I, then I, let me ask, <laughs> whose fault is it? Man, well, ultimately it's, it's, the, it's the people's fault because uh, – that's why I don't vote, David. I've withdrawn my consent. I refuse to cast a vote for somebody that I don't think – I won't ever – I used to vote essentially for the lesser of two evils, but I, I won't do that anymore. I, I've withdrawn my consent. So I think that I've uh, – and, and I try to you know lessen my interaction with the state you know it, uh, over time you know every day in any way that I can. And, and that's the way I've chosen to go about it. But ultimately, yeah, you're right. It's the people and the, the failure to uh, to educate themselves uh, about about it. But it still doesn't excuse the the just the the base and vile nature of these sociopathic politicians. I mean, like I said, they care about two things. That's maintaining their power and maintaining their party's power. Because you can't get to a level of personal power without party backing in Washington. It just doesn't happen. Well, if you lose it, the party takes care of you if you've been a good loyalist. Exactly. And you get appointed to some... Uh, get some cushy job uh, yeah, somewhere, somewhere. working for the Republican but National the, the Caucus. Thing is, yeah, the thing crazy. is, you know, and I don't mind bashing any politician. No. I, you know, they're all... I don't want to say all of them, but, you know, a goodly portion are scumbags. But with that being said... I'd much rather try to wake up the public and get oh. the public to do it. It's your oh, government. Yeah. It's your tax dollars. It's yep. it's your $100 million yep. that has gone to fly yep. Michelle around yep. the world many times. Yep. It's it's your tax dollar that's being wasted. It's, right. You know, I, I heard yesterday, or not yesterday, but uh, over the weekend, I think that uh, the clowns – Fixing the Obamacare nightmare of a website are now charging another $121 million to Shocker. fix the back end. Well, wait a Shocker. second. Your president said that it was all fixed and going. And now they're coming I thought it back. was fixed. They spent, what, a billion dollars almost on, oh, on this good thing? Lord. That's, Who and, knows? and you think, and, and, and wait a second. A friend and I were talking over the weekend. 
and and he's very active on Amazon. Here's a company that's got a bigger situation than Obamacare. They ha- seldom have failures. Right. Amazon is an incredible. Whether you like them or love them or hate them, they're they're incredible in their Run, capabilities. Running a business. Running a business. Right. Profit uh, motive. That that's what it has all if, to do with. Isn't Obamacare really a business? The bottom it's a, line. Well, okay, or it should it's, be. It's, it's, could be run as a business. Well, that's what they tout it as. But again, we go to uh, a true business like Amazon uh, reacts to the, the the market demand and s- supplies something that the market is demanding. And there's really no uh, there's no constraints on the demand, and there's no forcing of the demand. Whereas the Obamacare stuff is it's basically forced demand for something. So. Uh, we're a little overdue for a break here. Uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll continue banging on some politicians before I get into my last uh, topic. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámalos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Hi, I'm Ray Bowman, hoping you'll join us each Friday at noon for our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you by FeedstuffsFoodLink.com, only on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to uh, the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio for the, the final segment of what's uh, what's turned out to be a great show today. We had, had some, had some uh, banging on some politicians, talked a little gardening, talked a little uh, cruel and unusual, talked some bacon. You know, I mean, hey, we're all over the place. But, uh, you know, just to, to kind of finish up with this good light interview with uh, Jorge Ramos on Univision, I mean, these guys, I mean, the guy just keeps talking out of both sides of his mouth. And, you know, Jorge Ramos, what politician doesn't? Yeah, it's basically, hey, we can't do anything because we don't trust the president. And we don't like the way he's doing something, so we're going to mischaracterize his actions to the American people. And, but I, I I keep going back to his, uh, his, uh, his, oh, final comment on this. You know, the, the whole notion, I want to do something that has a strong support of the American people. Dude, you guys don't care anything what people think, okay? And the people really don't care either, obviously, because you're continuing to be in power. Uh, so he's got the last line here is uh, Jorge Ramos asks him if uh, the Republican Party has an image issue with uh, with with uh, with Hispanics. Goodlatte's response: We're not talking about image. We're talking about trust. The issue is trust, guy. Let me tell you something. No, no uh, trust in politicians. No, it's about image. 
you guys care about your image. It's one of the only things you care about because it determines whether or not you personally stay in power or your party continues in power. So talk, we're not talking about image. We're talking about trust. I just can't stand it when these 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 people in Congress get on this moral high horse and you know want to you know invoke all these lofty ideals and values. It's just I'd rather be out there and just I wish one of them would come out and just say, "I'm a crook. I'm here to make money." Okay, I'm here to further my self-interest. I mean, I can get on board with that because I, you, you're being honest, all right? Just, just be honest about what it is. You guys are trying to make political hay out of this, uh, and you think the president might be susceptible to uh, to, to political attack on it, and that's what you guys are going to do. The Democrats do the same thing. Republicans are in power in the executive branch or in, in the other House of Congress. So, just this whole interview just underscores the, uh, you know, the like I said. This whole debate, it's about the most precious political com- commodity out there, and it's voters. And, you know, they, they're both uh, posturing, pol- both parties are posturing politically and are trying to exploit this uh, situation to their net advantage in terms of the number of people that they can uh, secure that will vote safely for their party over the next 20 years. And it's, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Are you, have you been keeping up in this? This would, Sort of segue into uh, the the marine that uh, the Mexicans are holding. He accidentally he really didn't mean to cross the border, but no, somehow, oh my gosh, what? And no, this was in California. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he was moving, and yeah. so he had all of his uh, possessions with yeah. him, which included three weapons. Uh-huh. And, um, it, he got, uh huh. And he got. I guess it was uh, Tijuana. Yeah. And he got in a situation where he realized that what he was doing or where where he was headed, yeah. but there was no way to turn around. And so oh, he gets to the border and he says, look, I've made a mistake. Yeah, I need to go uh, back. I need to turn around and go back. Yeah. And uh, they – Search the I don't car, know. Yeah. search so, the trailer and whatever. And so he's been in, in jail for the last couple of three weeks what? and tortured. And, in Mexico? Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to go, and, have to go do uh, a little uh, – Investigation on this. Yeah, and, and this was a, he's a decorated Marine yeah. that uh, has served, I've forgotten, three or five tours. You yeah. know, it's not like, yeah, you know, he, he's. Hey, administrative violation of ridiculous policies. I mean, so, don't take two things to the border, folks weapons yeah. or cash. Don't take them. Not going to end well. Well, in fact, the best thing you can do is stay out of Mexico, basically. Uh, hey, stay, out of the, stay out of the border area, I mean, because it's basically. Uh, I mean, because of our our policies in this country have are what has made the uh, border area on the Mexico side uh, just ridiculously dangerous, and that that has you know not to get into a whole other topic. I mean, that has way more to do with the uh, ridiculous war on drugs uh, that we have in this country that have made and our ridiculous I don't want to say ridiculous, but our insatiable appetite and demand for uh, for drugs that makes the other side of the border of Mexico unsafe. But uh, I'm going to actually uh, check that out because that's an interesting story. I didn't uh, – you're so much more up on the uh, on these uh, – I don't want to say obscure, but these uh, these finer news points than I am. Well, the, no, this was on – oh, my point being, this was on mainstream media. Oh, mainstream. That's oh, yeah. probably what it's And uh, <laughs> our big-time media, would you? Anyway, the, the whole point of the story is – and I get, I come back to this with what you were talking about and what we've been talking about with regard to the voter, with regard to individuals, we the people. The mother of, of, of this uh, Marine uh-huh. uh, 
had done all that she could do. She had gone to the Mexican Council. She had gone to her representative. She had gone, you know, every place that she could go with no reaction right. or, or no, no, no positive uh, reactions yeah. anyway. So no uh, she took it to, to, uh, to the media. And, uh, you know, he's not out by any means. Uh, but the pressure is being put on. And if people got behind the immigration bill, if they knew what they were talking about, yeah, I get very uh, upset with hearing people yell and scream about it that have no clue what they're talking about. Yeah. They're just, you know. They have one color in their paintbrush, and that's it. And, that's it. Yep. And uh, they they don't know. And and uh, that's why I don't uh, like a lot of liberal supporters uh, that will side with me uh, on my views on this because I'm not supporting this for the sake. Yeah, I, conservative. I don't want you uh, as a proponent of something that I favor simply because of your. Uh, your underlying uh, well, philosophy about the they state. They live a tough <laughs> life in Mexico. I, I, they need listen, all the help that I, uh, they can get. And if you're a good person, to, you should understand life, life, that. Yeah, exactly. Life's tough everywhere, folks. Okay, <laughs> But that's the thing is I don't want anybody supporting anything that they uh, – in fact, I mean – if you know, if I had my way, it would just like we just scrap the Immigration Nationality Act, and then people could be here however they want to be here. Nobody can get welfare. Nobody can get you know state largesse. If a state wants to give people driver's license, and because guess what, people people come here, and they'll as long as they can support themselves. I don't care how many people come. I mean, just get the state out of it. I mean, that's that's the problem here is that the state has inserted itself into an issue that is mainly economic and created all these negative social externalities and everything. Just get the state out of it. Let people hire who they want to hire. Let people bring who they want to bring here, their family, whatever it is. And, and guess what? Everything will sort itself out. I got another little bit that you'll probably uh – jump all over uh i assume that you probably are one of the donors to the and and i'm assuming too that all of these people are undocumented actually my real assumption is is they work their ass off and have accomplished a lot did you know that 21 percent of the people in agriculture today farmers uh-huh. land owning farmers landowners we need to go back to land owning requirement we've talked about that a little bit anyways are 21%. mexicans mexican the, wouldn't, uh, because they wouldn't worked surprise. hard, or of or of Mexican uh, Mexican descent, and their citizens or something Do, doesn't surprise me. Actually, it surprised me that number is not higher. But no, but, but that's a, but that's workers. the thing. Twenty one percent. Yeah, that's the thing. Is why should we care what somebody's federal? Why should we care if they follow certain dumb federal rules? As long as you're willing to come here and work, you know. L- listen. The whole give me your tired, give me your poor, give me your hungry. Listen, I don't want your tired, your poor, and your hungry. I want your who's going to work hard. That's it. And pay and get, taxes. Well, and I don't even. I, I don't want anybody to pay taxes. So I don't want to. I don't want to be like. I want more tax servants here. I just want somebody who's willing to come and support themselves. And guess what? If they're poor when they get here, tired, hungry, I don't care. So long as they're willing to work hard, that's what we should be subsidizing. And and guess what? If the government, if the state got out of this whole business, then the market would uh, – there would be an equilibrium in the market. 
people would you would the people who are presumably coming here for uh, to to consume uh, you know social welfare benefits wouldn't come. The people who are coming here to work hard would still come because there's a demand for their labor. The people who are, and whether that's low skilled or high skilled labor. Irrelevant. Guess what? The market, the economy would fix that problem. The reason that there's all these social, these negative social externalities of welfare state exploitation and, uh, you know, all this, you know, political jockeying to get voters and everything, because the state is involved in it. Guess what? If people were allowed to come here because they want to come here, they want to work, somebody's willing to give them money to work, or somebody wants to bring their family here so long as they can support them. Guess what? It's not all these people that say, oh, well, we we have to have limits, otherwise we'd just be overrun. No, we wouldn't, because guess what? Most people throughout the world are just fine where they're at. Despite what you may think, guy, about the U.S., not everyone is clamoring to come here, okay? There's a demand for certain types of immigration, low-skilled, high-skilled, whatever it may be. Let the market determine the number of people that come here. Because guess what? If we get overwhelmed and there's not enough land to go around or there's not enough resources to go around, guess what? People will stop coming. But the reason the reason that there's a problem with all this is because the state has inserted itself into this situation saying, well, these people can come. These people can't come. These people who are here can stay here. These people who who aren't here with status, they can stay here now too. Or we're going to get rid of these people. Let the market dictate where people go and what they do. The reason that we – like I say this all the time. There is no social ill from which we suffer that cannot trace its existence back to the presence and action or inaction of the state. In a given sector of the economy, that that's it. All these social ills, all the problems we face as a society, are the result of state of the state inserting itself in things that it shouldn't insert itself in. Immigration is one of those things. It doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be involved in it. We're obviously never going to get that, so we're working within the bounds of the law. But if you really want a solution, get the state out of it. Can't say it any more simply than that, folks. I haven't gotten any uh, any uh, text or anything from Chuck, so I don't know how that lawsuit's going down there. But we'll give uh, we'll give a. Uh, I'm sure Chuck will be here uh, next week. Give us a rousing uh, update for uh, how the lawsuit went, how his oral argument went. So I think that's all we've got time for uh, today. Like I said, if you miss a live show, download the uh, podcast and uh, catch us next week on the Immigration Hour here on America's Web Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.